Well, good afternoon and welcome to a Monday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast, August 30th edition. I hope you guys like it without the music because we're in the radio studio again today with my hectic life, talking a little sports and a little faith. So thanks for joining us. Appreciate it very much. I'm Bruce Hooley. You can reach the podcast via our email address, wetacklelife at gmail.com, wetacklelife at gmail.com, or you can review the podcast on iTunes. I read every review and I appreciate them very, very much as I appreciate your attention to the podcast. Okay, so let's thank our sponsors at Willis Spangler Starling, our attorney firm of choice, my attorney. They do a great job. They're located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. Will's Estate Planning, Probate, Social Security Disability, Personal Injury, all the biggies that intersect your life. Willis Spangler Starling can, will handle it, and will do a phenomenal job. They do provide free consultation if you mention the We Tackle Life podcast. And they do take some cases on contingency. So a great way for you to find out exactly what you're in for in terms of a legal action you are named in or you are pressing is to get with the great folks at Willis Spangler Starling. They're growing but not too big to pay personal attention to your case. All right, let's start with the news of the day. Ohio State's press conference in advance of its kickoff Thursday night at Minnesota. Yes, Buckeyes getting a jump on the Labor Day weekend. They will play a team that returns 10 starters on each side of the line of scrimmage. Now, that would be a little bit daunting if Minnesota was the team that it was two years ago, but it did not appear that the Gophers were that team a year ago as they were just 3-4. and four. They played without Rashad Bateman. He's one of the guys who did what I think is and still will and always will think was the selfish thing, which is sit out the entire season in order to not get COVID and position himself for the NFL draft. Uh, they clearly missed Rashad Bateman, and I don't know if they're going to be what they were a year ago, which is a sub-500 team, or if they're going to be what they were a year before that, which is the surprise team of the Big Ten with double-figure wins and a bowl triumph. If they play as they have the last two times against Ohio State, it'll be a comfortable win, but it won't be a blowout. Uh, the Gophers played Dwayne Haskins a few years ago in Ohio Stadium, Lost by about two touchdowns, and they played Zeke Elliott 2015, I think it was, and lost by eh, two touchdowns, 17 points. So P.J. Fleck has done a really nice job at Minnesota. I used to make fun, and probably will still make fun, of P.J. Fleck because I find his you know jaunty little nautical man act uh, hilarious and mildly, sometimes more than mildly, annoying. But uh, he'll be rowing his little old boat on Thursday night furiously, trying to get what would unquestionably be the biggest win of his Minnesota tenure over Ohio State. And that would shock the football world if the Gophers beat Ohio State. I don't see it happening. Of course, Ohio State is young. They're untested, I guess, at quarterback, although I certainly think C.J. Stroud is going to do fine. I just think he has so many weapons around him that it's inevitable somebody's going to break a big play. Minnesota might make it tough on Ohio State for a while, but do I see Minnesota doing what it does to the extent that it could beat Ohio State, what, line up and run the ball right down Ohio State's throat all night long? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I can't see that. I know Minnesota has five fifth-year seniors on the offensive line. All of them started a year ago. I know they have uh, Muhammad Ibrahim at tailback, really good tailback, 1,000-yard tailback in the past. Tanner Morgan's a nice quarterback. Their top wideout had been hurt. 
Supposedly now he might be back, although you never know if that's real or if that's P.J. Flex optimism talking. But defensively, Minnesota was an absolute sieve a year ago. And in Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Master Teague, Jeremy Ruckert, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, C.J. Stroud has an ample number of people that he can throw to. And I didn't get to any of the other wide receivers, and there are many, many, many of them. Egbuka, Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming. I mean, they have they have probably six wide receivers at Ohio State that are better than any of Minnesota's wide receivers. So that's why I do not see Ohio State struggling in this game. Maybe a little bit competitive in the first quarter, maybe a slight competitive battle at halftime. Ohio State will start to assert its superiority middle of the third quarter, pull away, and head back home for their September 11th game against Oregon. 1-0, and that game will be heavily hyped as, whoa, if Oregon wins this, they could run the table, but they're not going to win it, I don't think. Okay, so the other big news today with Ohio State, besides the fact that the Minnesota game is coming up, is that head coach Ryan Day, owner of one of the most impressive beards you will ever see on a manly man, Ryan Day is taking the razor to the beard because he is superstitious and he has never coached a game at Ohio State with a beard, and he won't coach one on Thursday night. I, I hope it's kind of a, it's not a reverse Samson thing or a, or a Samson thing that if he cuts the beard, uh, the team loses its strength. There's a little biblical reference for those of you uh, folks out there. But yeah, he's going to cut the beard, which, I mean, if you've gone this far in camp with the beard, maybe you ought to keep it uh, since... I would think now most of the hot days are behind you with cooler weather coming in. But anyway, that's what Ryan Day says he's going to do is shave the beard. So we'll get a look at Ryan Day's um, full facial uh, (laughs) appearance uh, on Fox on Thursday night. All right. If you want full transparency when it comes to evaluating benefits for your employees or lining up benefits for yourself, you can obtain all the facts, all the copays, all the doctors, all the costs, from my friends at auiinfo.com. auiinfo.com. They are awesome. Chrissy is their rock star CEO. She does a great job answering your questions. And here's the thing, staying in touch with you and helping you as a business owner or individual comply with anything that comes down the line in terms of state regulations or those sorts of things. If you're a business owner, and that could mean you have just one other employee besides yourself, a two-person operation, up to 50 people, you're in the sweet spot of the clients that auiinfo.com specializes in serving. So don't sleep on auiinfo.com because they not only provide great info, research, and analysis, their service is free to you. And it's not like certain websites out there that, oh, you get three free articles and then we want to charge you. No, no, no. AUI is always free to you. They get paid by the companies you select from the options they present to you. Everything is in your power to decide but they give you the information that is the gospel truth, and you'll be a more savvy business owner. They also offer a dedicated HR specialist available 24-7. So forget that saying, you get you get uh, what you pay for. With auiinfo.com, you get way more than you pay for because you do indeed get something, more than something, for nothing at auiinfo.com. Type in your questions on their chat and get your answers and become a more profitable more analytical business owner at auiinfo.com. Okay, we got pro football, and we start with a trade of former Buckeye Billy Price. 
Billy Price, who I told you in the last podcast, was grading out well with the Bengals in the preseason and was bidding to start at center, is on his way to the New York football giants. Bengals receive defensive lineman B.J. Hill and a seventh-round pick. Does this mean the Bengals have given up on Billy Price? No. What this means is the Bengals have other linemen that they like and they think Trey Hopkins is going to come back sooner from his ACL tear than they may be expected. Billy Price is versatile. He can also play guard. Hopefully this is good for Billy Price, although they had brought back the same offensive line coach in Cincinnati who had drafted him after he did not play for that coach his two of his first three years. So now he goes to the Giants late in camp. He's got to catch on. He's got to earn, you know, learn a new system. Hopefully they have a spot for him because I still think Billy Price can be a productive long-term NFL player. Uh, he was the 21st pick in the 2018 draft. B.J. Hill was taken 48 picks later. So middle of the, wow, was he right on the cusp of the second round or first in the th- or early in the third round? He's been a pretty serviceable player on the defensive line for the Giants. Bengals have had some injuries up front. So, yeah, this guy, he's not, a, he's not a man-eater, but he's had 10 tackles for a loss, seven and a half sacks, 13 quarterback hits. His strength is playing the run. You can never have enough run stoppers. So the Bengals get a run stopper to take the place of Billy Price, who, you know, honestly, his career in Cincinnati just did not pan out to be what they hoped it would be. But I don't think Billy Price is a bust. It's premature to pronounce him that. Uh, As for the Bengals against the Dolphins, I saw some things I liked. You know, I thought the Bengals looked pretty feisty out there. Joe Burrow looked fine. Uh, I think uh, Jamar Chase will be fine as he and Joe Burrow rekindle the relationship that they had at LSU. It was nice to see the fans come to their feet for Joe Burrow when he got out there on the field. So uh, I I like the Bengals. Bengals are going to be improved. The problem is the Bengals can be improved and still be last in the AFC North because the AFC North is legit. Steelers are good. Browns are good. Ravens are good. And Bengals are not terrible, but, you know, somebody's got to finish last. And I would tend to think, tend to think it will be the Bengals. The other three teams would have to have a catastrophic injury somewhere for the Bengals to edge in front of them as uh, not the last place team in the AFC North. But you know what? The Bengals will get a very good draft pick out of this year, and I don't think they're far away. I really don't think they're far away. I think they're a good young team on the come. I didn't like them getting rid of Gio Bernard. But other than that, uh, I think the Bengals have done pretty well for themselves. Sign Jesse Bates, get the offensive line solidified, keep Joe Burrow healthy. Hopefully Jamar Chase does not become John Ross, (laughs) and the Bengals will be just fine. Uh, you will be just fine and dandy if you start your day with a cup of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee. 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE. 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. Order from Hemisphere. They have sponsored this podcast longer than any other client. And they also sponsor the Bruce Hooley podcast at 989theanswer.com with their catchy little jingle with the banjo and the country singers. Love it. Love it, Hemisphere. Thank you for your loyalty. Get your coffee in light, medium, or dark roast, whole bean, uh, ground, or K-cups. You will love Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, and they patronize growers from around the world 
Yes, how else would you get your hands on coffee from Indonesia without paying humongous importer prices or anything else like that? Well, only via our friends at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com and use that promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps so you get the 15% discount. Shout out to all of you who have made Hemisphere a regular part of your mornings, afternoons. Shout out to those of you who order Hemisphere for your business. And I have another client that I'm going to send Hemisphere's way here in the next couple of days. Uh, a really good client that they're going to love, and then the people at uh, this place are going to love Hemisphere. So trust me on that. No one ever complains about Hemisphere Coffee because it is outstanding. Now, speaking of the uh, NFL and the season opener coming up on September the 12th, that is really going to be an interesting opener with the Cleveland Browns against the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, there might be some offense that night because the Browns, it's taken long enough since 1999, but ladies and gentlemen, they are awash in playmakers. So many that I kind of wonder how they're going to keep them all happy. The Browns have an abundance of wideouts. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Kaderil Hodge, uh, Richard Higgins. Then they got the new kid from UCLA that they like so well. Uh, uh, and oh, by the way, I left out uh, DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan. They're stacked at wideout. They're stacked at tight end with Austin Hooper and David Njoku. They're stacked in the backfield with Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson and Nick Chubb. Oh, by the way, I buried the lead. Nick Chubb last. He should be first. And Baker Mayfield's the trigger man. Of all those positions I just outlined. Oh, by did you see the graphic on the Browns offensive line last night? When they put him out there, like Joel Batonio is the second best guard in, in the NFL at his spot. Wyatt Teller is number one. Jack Conklin is number two at right tackle. Uh, Jedrick Wills is not very good at left tackle, but he's a rookie. He could improve. He could make a quantum leap this year from 31st among 38 to, who knows, maybe top 15. J- I didn't. They didn't have J.C. Treader on the screen because he's you know n- did not play, but they are loaded loaded and there's no excuse for Baker Mayfield no none excuse no excuse now he looked okay last night he didn't look bad um and I think Baker can he win a Super Bowl sure sure he can the problem is we have in our minds at least I do the memory of Mahomes getting injured against the Browns last year in the playoffs and Baker not being able to drive his team down the field and win. And that Chiefs defense is not exactly the greatest defense in the world. And the Browns defense we knew was not a great defense, and they let the Chiefs convert on fourth down with the immortal Chad Henney throwing a pass to Tyreek Hill. So adding Jadavian Clowney, adding John Johnson, adding Greg Newsom, adding Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, adding a bunch of players on defense, maybe 10 new starters, Denzel Ward, well, they're not adding 10 new starters because Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett are back, and both those guys are starters. But they're adding a lot of starters on the defensive side. Can the defense be better? But the bottom line on the Browns, I have more faith in the defense being better than I do Baker Mayfield being a guy who won't turn it over, won't get too greedy, and will just let the players around him do what they do because that's all he has to do. Baker's got this chip on the shoulder thing. Like he's always got to prove to people, ah, you know, Baker, you're the Heisman Trophy winner and the number one overall pick. 
I've said this many times. You are not an underdog. I know you feel like an underdog, and I know you feel like that serves some kind of a purpose for you and all that. It really doesn't. Chip on the shoulder guy, you need not be that guy. When you have Landry and Beckham and Hooper and Njoku and Chubb and, and Hunt and on and on and on and on, just be a distributor. Be an even-keeled distributor of the football, and the Browns will be fine. And don't panic if they lose to the Chiefs. They lost bad to the Ravens at the beginning of last year, and you saw them come back at the end of the year, get a playoff berth, and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm not putting too much emphasis on the opener for the Browns. It'd be a big win for the Bengals if they could get the Vikings in the opener. And now I don't have to be quite as invested in the Vikings because Mr. Chris Spielman is now with the Lions, even though I still like Rick Spielman, of course. So... uh, but I'll be pulling for the Lions when they play the Vikings, and I'm sure Rick will not be too upset about that. Okay, with that, um, let me transition, I guess, to the faith portion of the podcast. I was Let me mention quickly, I attended a high school football game Saturday. I wrote about this on Facebook, just a little thing on Facebook. Um, I'm deeply impacted by the death of those Marines in Afghanistan. And I was at a football game Saturday in southeastern Ohio, and the guys from the American Legion raising the flag, they raised it all the way to the top, which I thought, okay, maybe it's protocol to raise the flag all the way to the top and then lower it to half staff. And they lo- they didn't lower it. They just tied it off at the top and walked away. And a friend of mine who was down there said, oh, yeah, they talked about it. Half staff are full. And he said, ah, just run it all the way to the top. I'm not ready to run my cognitive awareness of life back to the top of the flagpole yet. My awareness of life is at half staff right now as we try to get those Marines and soldiers out and all the refugees and more importantly to me, the American citizens out. So um, keep on praying about that if you would please because I heard a phone call of a mom who just learned that her Marine was her son, 20-year-old son, was one of the Marines who was murdered. And man, it was gut-wrenching to hear that. It was so gut-wrenching to hear that. Very, very hard to hear. So you may not know him. You might not know anything about him. But boy, I think of those kids as babies when 9-11 happened. And they're over there following orders and losing their life. Boy, that is just so sad. Just so sad. Okay, in the faith portion of the podcast today, I wanted to talk about the beginning of John chapter 13. Jesus is at the Passover feast with his disciples in the upper room. He knows that in the next day he's going to be crucified. He knows he's going to have my sins and yours and all mankind's hung on him. He is going to pay the debt that he did not deserve, but that he willingly shouldered to provide a way for us to be forgiven for our sins that we could never, ever capture atonement for in our own strength. So he's deeply, deeply burdened, and he is ready to have the Passover meal with his disciples and explain to them about the bread and the cup. And John 13, verse 1 says, It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent 
of his love. That means he had, for the three years of his ministry, walked out sacrificial love. He had healed the sick. He had inspired people. He had explained the scriptures to them. He had taught meticulously his disciples in the new covenant. He had loved everyone perfectly. And it's almost unfathomable to me that now it says that now that he's done that, he's going to show them one more time the full extent of his love. And he did that by washing their feet that night, by dying for them on the cross, right? Like, just amazing. So I thought about that. What would that look like for Bruce Hooley to show the people in his life the full extent of his love? The one thing you know about Jesus that you definitely know is not true of me is that he was perfect. He was perfect. Everything he did was perfect. So in showing someone the full extent of his love for them, he would show them perfectly. He would not only do it, he would do it perfectly. So what's my takeaway? What can I learn from how he loved his own perfectly? Well, I think number one, obviously, I would do things for them that indicate that I have their best interests at heart. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, that was a practice that was done by servants. He was humbling himself, putting himself beneath others. Whatever they needed became his priority. That is lesson number one for me. But it's more than that. You know, Jesus spent three years with these fishermen and these just regular guys that he saw incredible capacity in. And as a leader, he did everything he could to increase their capacity. Do I do that? Do I do that with my daughters? Do I do that with my friends? Do I invest in them? Do I take an interest in them? Do I try to develop them, stretch them, and and, uh, affirm them and encourage them? Do I do that? Because that's what Jesus did in showing his full extent of his love to others. And then the other thing that he would do that is so much not a part of what I do always is Jesus always thought the best of others. He saw them as trapped in their sin or a little bit too (laughs) dense maybe or um, unsophisticated to grasp the depth of what he was saying, but he never allowed that to disgust him with them, to write them off, to give up on them. You know, Peter had to frustrate Jesus to no end. The disciples arguing about who's going to be first in the kingdom of heaven. Hey, me or him, promise me, it'll be me, not him. That had to drive him crazy because that's so much the antithesis of his humility and the model behavior he was trying to exhibit for them. But he never thought ill of them. And so for me, as I look at that example of Jesus, he did things that he may not have loved doing, washing their feet, lowering himself, humbling himself. He did things that showed that he was invested 
in the people around him, and he wanted to increase their capacity, their usefulness. And he also always thought the best of them. And how transformative of an impact would I have in other people's lives if I did those three things, if I used Jesus' example in the upper room in John 13 to show people the full extent of my love in a true Christ-like fashion. So that is what I have for you today in the faith portion of the podcast. I appreciate your time listening to the podcast. I look forward to uh, visiting with you again on Wednesday. Please keep our servicemen and women and our country in your prayers. We are in a very perilous time, a very rancorous time, a very troubling time. And I believe firmly that our country was founded with divine inspiration and with men who prioritized God which gave, who gave them the inspiration to build the foundation of a nation unlike any had ever been built before or since. And I see our foundation crumbling as we distance ourselves collectively from God. And that is fixable only by turning back to him and repenting of our sinful ways, our dark ways, our chosen evil. And we must prioritize living the way God calls us to live, not just because we're trying to score brownie points with, hey, I did this and your Bible says to do it, and okay, I did what the Ten Commandments say, but to, in doing so, demonstrate to him that we understand which one of us is God and which one of us is man. And We are not God. We are sinful, fallen men in need of redemption. And he offers that at the cross through his son Jesus. Free for the taking, but he is the ultimate gentleman who will not force his way into your life if you elect to use your free will to say no to him. Please don't do that. There will be dire consequences for you in eternity if so. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone invites me in, I will come in and fellowship with him. Jesus is standing at the door of your life and knocking, and he is waiting for you to invite him in. You don't have to know how. You don't even really have to know why beyond saying, I want you to be a part of my life, Lord. I want to live for you, and I want to have peace with my eternal destiny that I've never had before. That's all possible to you in Jesus Christ. It is such an amazing way to live. And I want it so badly for each and every one of you. And I pray that you have it or that you will prioritize it. Because trust me, there is nothing in this life that will give you that peace and contentment like a thriving, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So with that, have a great rest of your Monday. And I'll talk to you again on Wednesday here on the We Tackle Life podcast.